Well, I need to begin by thanking Ben Reperton, Taylor Walling, and our production team for that video. And just to let you know, I cannot accept a nomination for Best Supporting Actor, even though I deserve it, because I've let my Screen Actor Guild card expire. Well, thank you for being at the Hills, whether you're watching online or you're in person at South Lake, West Fort Worth, or North Richland Hills Campus. I'm so glad you've joined us for our annual candlelight services. This is a wonderful time of the year. I know it can also be a stressful time of the year. Perhaps this uh, picture sums it up. It's a time of joy, and it's also a time of some stress. And one reason is because there are so many demands on us this time of year. And so you had many places you could be, and you made it a priority to join us right now. And I want to say thank you, because this is not just some generic festive occasion. This is a service that unapologetically celebrates and worships Jesus. Now, some choose other kinds of events to attend. I was frankly kind of offended by this school. They had a breakfast with Satan <laughs> assembly. I would not let my kids go to that school. But here tonight, we are gathered, and as a church, we are worshiping Jesus. And I know some of you aren't ready to do that. There's other reasons why you're here. But even if you're not convinced of his identity, you have to concede that his impact on history is greater than any person who has ever been born. His birth is so big, we even divide history into before and after. Think about that. We decide when anything happened based on how many years was it before Jesus was born. How many years was it after Jesus was born? Believer and unbeliever alike have to admit that Jesus is heavy. Or to put it another way, that he's wrapped in glory. So the shepherds were out there watching sheep at night, not expecting anything unusual to happen when an angel showed up and announced the birth of this Jesus. And it says, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. For what you've just heard, and for what God has just done, we can only say glory. Now, you need to know that in the Bible, this word glory, what it means, the idea that it carries is something that is really, really heavy. Something that is weighty. The angels are praising God for doing something huge. The birth of Jesus was the biggest. It was the most significant. It was the heaviest thing. They had ever witnessed God do. And they couldn't contain their awe, so they just broke out into a spontaneous praise concert. Because Jesus is the most glorious person who's ever walked the earth. No one's heavier. No one's weightier. No one is huger 
than Jesus. When we see Jesus, we see God's glory. That's what one of the gospel writers said. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. When we saw Jesus, we saw something heavy. Now, it's true that at His first coming, He had to dim His glory, or we wouldn't have been able to look at Him at all. That's why we sing mild, He lay His glory by. But while He dimmed His glory, He did not discard it. No, the the gospel writers say, still, even though He dimmed His glory, when we looked at Jesus, we saw something we had never seen before. No one was heavier than Jesus. And the one thing that stood out was that Jesus had these huge reservoirs of grace and truth. His grace was heavy. His truth was weighty. And the huge truth that Jesus spoke over and over again was this, I am worthy. See, the wise men did not say, where's the kid that has been born? They said, where is the king that has been born? And the gospels over and over depict Jesus, not just as someone who redeems, but someone who's come to rule. In fact, when the angel told Mary she was about to be pregnant with this one full of glory, here's what the angel said. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He will be very great. And he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Nothing in the Bible says Jesus was born a religious figure. We turned him into that. What it says is he was born a king. And he didn't deny this heavy truth. He owned it. When he started his preaching ministry, he had one traveling sermon. He took it everywhere, and it was basically this. The kingdom of God is now among you. Every time Jesus let someone call him Christ, he was letting them call him king. In fact, when Pilate is questioning Jesus, are you a king? All Jesus had to do to avoid getting crucified is say, no way. I never said I was a king. But he didn't do that because he knew who he was. He said consistently, I am worthy. In fact, One of the last things he said before he ascended was, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, that's heavy. (laughs) Jesus said, there is no power, there is no authority that isn't under mine. Reminds me of the story of the man that went to a doctor's office to get a skin tag taken off his neck. This burly nurse said, down the hall, second door on your left, take off all your clothes. 
But ma'am, I just came to get a skin tag. I said to go down the hall, second door on your left, take off all your clothes. Ma'am, I'm only here. I'm not going to tell you again to get down that hall, second door on your left, take off all your clothes. He goes down the hall. He opens the second door on the left. There's a man in there in his boxer shorts. He says, ma'am, that nurse acts like she's in charge. Tell me about it. I'm the UPS driver. There are people <laughs> who make it very, very clear that they are in control. Jesus did. See, Christmas is not just an invitation to celebrate a Savior. It is a call to surrender to a sovereign. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. And I know that's pretty heavy news, especially if you're not sure who Jesus is. But for those of us who believe he is king, it is happy news. We believe that he has no equal, that he has no rival. We believe his rule will never be outranked, undermined, or overthrown. And what this means is that all current tyrannies are short-lived. When King Jesus returns, all authorities will answer to his authority. Cancer and COVID will be gone because that's how King Jesus will want it to be. There will be no more poverty. There will be no more inequality. No woman will ever again be trafficked. No man will ever again suffer under the bondage of addiction. No human being will ever again be marginalized because of their race or because of their ethnicity. King Jesus will return, and he will set the world right. And so, tonight, here at the Hills Church, unapologetically we gather, and we say to Jesus, you are worthy. But we also gather to listen to what Jesus wants to say to us. Because if huge truth says, I am worthy, Huge grace says, and you are worth it. You see, everybody wants to feel valuable. But most everyone looks for value in all the wrong places. We make the wrong things heavy. Our jobs, our appearance, our careers, our education, our wealth, or our health. And they inevitably disappoint. Take Pluto, for example. Remember when you were in elementary school and for the science fair you made that mobile and the last little ball out there on the end was Pluto? And did you hear that a few years ago in Prague some astronomers got together and they downgraded Pluto? They decided Pluto wasn't really worthy of being called a planet, so now they call Pluto asteroid number 134340. So there you are, you're Pluto, you're minding your own business, just circling the sun, and you get an email, you can't come to the science fair anymore. <laughs> Have you ever felt Plutoed? You ever felt like life was saying, you don't matter? And can I be real honest? If there is no God, you don't. If we're just cosmic accidents, then here's the deal. Nobody's a big deal. 
The universe could care less that you exist. You don't matter. You never have. You never will. And none of us want to believe that. None of us. No matter our worldview, we want, none of us want to believe I am worth nothing. You know why? Because you're an image bearer of God. Whether you recognize him or not, you bear his image. And there's something deep inside you that wants to believe that you do matter. And this is why Christmas matters. Because the only explanation for the birth of Jesus is that we matter to God. As we sing, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I thought of this huge reality. Recently, when I came across a story a few years ago in England, a precious little girl named Honey Ray Phillips was born. And on the day she was born, her parents rejoiced and grieved. See, Honey Ray is, was born with these marks all down the right side of her body. There's a medical word for it I would mispronounce. But essentially, these blood vessels cluster right under her skin. And they're permanent and disfiguring marks that she will live with all her life. When she was a baby, they would put long sleeves on her, long pants on her, and take her out. But you can't raise a child that way. And so as she got a little older, and they would dress her more appropriately for the weather, the parents noticed. People looked at their little girl, and they gawked. And so Father Adam and Mother Tanya decided to do something rather bold. They went and got tattoos. In fact, she paid for his as a Christmas gift. And it was painful. But they got these marks on their legs to look like their little girls. And when they came home, 18-month-old Honey Ray came up to her parents and touched their legs. And she said, match. And for several days, she would ask to touch their legs and giggle. And what did they do? They communicated the best way they knew, just as you are, you are worth it. And Christmas says God came to us and God became like us. Because God wanted to spend forever with us. There's a reason the favorite verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. My favorite verse is, and my favorite word in my favorite verse is whoever. Everybody matters to God. Whoever. We're all citizens of Whoville. And every other religion has you prove your worth to God by what you do. And Christmas says God proves your worth by what he was willing to do. And so tonight, I get it. If you're not sure what you think of Jesus... But with all the boldness I can muster, I'm telling you that Jesus is absolutely sure what he thinks of you. He came looking for you before you ever thought about looking 
for him. And here's the deal. He, he knew our resumes. He knows who we are. He knows we are messed up and jacked up and screwed up. And he knew that to save us, he would have to be lifted up. And Jesus, being full of grace, said, you are worth it. And so he covered his glory, and he was placed in a manger so that he could be placed on a cross and cover our sins. He covered his glory for a time so he could cover our sins for all time. Now, that's heavy. But there's one more huge thing I must tell you. The next time Jesus appears, his glory will not be dimmed. We believe that God started something in Bethlehem. He is going to finish. And the Bible points to this. It says in Titus 2, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. We are looking forward to the heaviness, to the weightiness, to the realness of Jesus. And when we see him the next time, his glory is going to be so heavy. When he came the first time, he appeared as a baby. When he comes again, he's going to appear as the victor. The first time we saw him, his glory was wrapped in flesh. The next time, his glory is going to fill the heavens. The first time he came, only a few people saw him. The next time he comes, everybody's going to see him. And they're going to know who he is. The first time he was wrapped in cloth, the next time he's going to be wearing a royal robe. The first time he came within a few months, there was a judgment put on his head. But the next time he comes, he's going to be the judge. And the first time he came, we called him Jesus. But when he comes back, we're going to call him King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And most of all, the first time he came, worship was an option. When King Jesus comes back, every knee is going to bow. It says again in the Bible, when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe, and this includes you. On that day, we will praise Jesus, and we will give him all the glory. But here's the thing, those of us who are sure of who Jesus is, we don't wait till that day. We give him glory now. You know, essentially, that's what worship is. Worship is a glory transfer. Worship is saying, Jesus, I'm not going to let anything else in my life be heavier than you are to me. That's what we're going to do in a moment by lighting candles. 
In a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. The room will get dark. And after that prayer, someone's going to come by and help you light a candle. I know it's a very small act. But what we're saying is huge. By lighting these candles, we're declaring the truth that Jesus is worthy. By lighting these candles, we're accepting the grace that says, I'm worth it. And by lighting these candles, we're affirming our hope in the return of Jesus to set everything right. The king is coming back. And darkness has no chance. Now, that's heavy. So pray with me, please. And so, God, we thank you for sending Jesus. You deserve all the praise we can give you. Because you came for us when we had nothing to give you. And so, Jesus, please receive now, as we light these candles, receive our hearts, receive our affections, and receive our faith and declaration that you are worthy of all glory. And we ask you to return soon. Amen.